Hello, you're listening to the Various and Sundry Things podcast, the vast podcast. I am your host, Donna Gay Tyler. Hi, everyone. How are you? I've missed you. I hope that you have missed me as well. It's good to be back behind the microphone. Preachers would say it's good to be here behind the sacred desk. They mean the pulpit, but since this isn't really my spiritual pulpit, I guess somebody's going to get deep on there. But anyway, it's really, really good to be back. Life has been lifing. Oh my God. I think I said that the last time I took an unexpected hiatus from my podcasting schedule, but it really has um, for me. And I don't want to make this episode all about me. Um, I heard another podcaster say that, don't make yourself the topic. Um, so yeah, I'm going to endeavor not to do that. But <laughs> by way of explanation, like, where you been? See, what had happened was, um, you know, I'm a teacher. Welcome, if you didn't know that. If you this is your first time listening, hi, my name is Donna Gay Tyler, and I'm a teacher. Um, and have been so for over two decades. And it is rough this year. And I don't mean that as a put down to the system, the students, the administration or the staff with which I work. It's just tough. It's a tough year. There's no way. I don't think it does anybody any um, justice to sugarcoat it and say, hey, you know, we're doing really well. <laughs> no, that's a lie. It's tough. Um, and there are a number of factors to blame. It's just, you know, people will talk about post-pandemic learning lost, uh, loss, rather not lost, uh, learning loss, um, plus the other factors that really make education um, a tough field to work in, not to discourage anyone who, you know, desires to do so. It's just not an easy thing to do. I don't think any job within the education field um, is is a simple one. It isn't just cut and dry, just get in, get out, you get on with your life. It's not that. Um and like I said, there's a number of, you know, issues that make it even that much more difficult, challenging, complicated, whatever adjective you want to use to describe it. Um, and the reason I hesitated to go as far as going into, you know, my reasons, you know, my personal reasons why I think it's um, so difficult at this particular junction um, is because I, I kind of hate the question and I also hate the answer because it's, the question is complex and the answer is definitely complex. This summer, I was at an event, um, and I sat next to a gentleman um, who turned out to be also a Howard graduate. Um, and I, you know, I thought we had some common ground there. But he gave, he asked me that, I, and I hate this question. You know, how can we fix education? Listen, if it were, you know, if there were a silver bullet or a magic bullet, don't you think it would have been implemented by now? And so I hate when people ask that question because really, what they're looking for is a simple response. And the truth of the matter is. There is no simple fix. I used to have something written down on a post-it note um, to, you know, as a as my pat answer, you know, to give every time someone would ask that question. I'm trying to remember what it what I had written down because, of course, I've thrown, <laughs> in anger and frustration, largely, I've thrown that post-it note note away because even the things that I had written down don't necessarily solve all the problems in education. I mean, especially public education. I mean, we take you know, you're tired, you're poor, you're huddled masses yearning to be educated. And in a lot of cases, not yearning to be educated. You know, some are there under duress. And I get it, you know, school isn't always, you know, a fun place for a lot of kids. But, you know, culturally speaking, we are up against, we, I mean, like the education educators, we're up against a, a, a behemoth. I mean, 
you know, kids are not today's today's kids and not yesterday's kids. Um, you know, the things that they're being exposed to with regard to technology, the speed at which they're exposed to these things is just not the same way that um, schools are set up. And I say it like that because a lot of people want to blame teachers all the time. Um, you know, teachers need to change up their, you know, pedagogy or pedagogy. I can't remember which one, which way you pronounce that word. Anyway, and I should know because, you know, I'm a teacher. But anyway, um, so you just can't, you can't switch it up as easily, you know, as that. It's not one, two, three break. You know, it's not like that, which is, again, why I threw away my post-it note. But I'm sure I had on there, um, you know, eliminate racism, eliminate all forms of discrimination, actually. Um, racism being the biggest one in this country, right? Um, eliminate all forms of discrimination, um, eliminate childhood poverty, um, and equalize the way in which um, schools are funded. Now, does that solve all of the problems? Uh-uh, <laughs> it doesn't. It solves a lot of them, but I don't even know if that's most of the problems today. Um, anyway, I didn't mean to start there. <laughs> it was by way of um, explanation that I, um, you know, was given as a um, you know, way of kind of explaining why I have taken such a big break um, in podcasting um, just because, you know, other things like life and work and, you know, other things I'm responsible for, like, you know, being a wife, a mom, all that kind of fun stuff, a, a friend, a sister. What else am I? I can't remember. <laughs> but all those things um, were kind of crowding out my uh, time that I was using um, to to podcast, but today being election day here in the USA, 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 I didn't have to work. And um, so I thought I'd take some time to uh, get back to the podcast. Yay. Yeah. So let's jump right in. The title of this particular episode is um, election day buffet, <laughs> buffet, buffet, <laughs> buffet. <laughs> What's a buffet? Election day buffet. And so titled because I just got a I have a couple of things to talk about. Um, a lot of things I'm sure that have been on your radar since the last time uh, we talked, since the last episode. I mean, some things that have come and gone. Thankfully, Jesus, bless you, Lord. <laughs> um, thinking about Kanye West, um, even though I do, I do um, plan on mentioning him br very briefly in the podcast, but thank God he's kind of taken a, a bit of a hiatus himself. So for which we are ever so grateful. Um, but let's start with um, some of the race, uh, races to watch. Um, like you probably, um, I've got my news curated for me, depending on what I'm you know, interested in. Politics tends to be you know, um, near the top, um, up there next to makeup and coffee. Hey, judge your mama. <laughs> but anyway, um, yeah. So a couple of races that I've noticed in my timeline um, of note uh, and things that I've also seen, you know, online uh, as well. Um, races, of course, in Georgia, the senator's race. We talked about Herschel uh, Walker and um, Reverend Ralph um, Raphael, rather uh, Warnock. Um, have you all seen that? Uh, it's a parody um, Herschel Walker um, uh, advertisement, um, and the individual playing Herschel Walker doing the the voiceover. I mean it. It's 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 very disparaging. I will say that it's it's not flattering at all. Period. It's it's pretty bad. But I'm not going to lie. I laughed profusely, and I watched it several times. Um, the individual who's doing the parody um, says, "My name is Herschel uh, Walker." I was like, "Oh, oh, we starting off there." Um, which, as you, if you've been paying attention, you know at all. Um, you know, it's kind of making fun of Herschel Walker's. Um, 
intellectual ability, you know, got to say that lightly. Um, he does not come across as the most articulate or smart person, um, you know, in the race. But unfortunately, it's a close race, if you believe the polls. Um, um, and of course, there's that. Yeah. So um, Herschel Walker versus uh, Raphael Warnock. It's ridiculous that that's a close race. But hey, it's 2022. And here we are. Um, another race to watch. Um, that I have written down. Um, Pennsylvania, you've probably heard about this one too. Um, Dr. Oz, he got his um, big push into the um, spotlight, you know, through Oprah Winfrey. He had his own show, I think, for a while. I know he was given a lot of advice in her um, magazine. Um, he was a go-to um, person on her um, um, talk show for a while, but he's come out as, well, he's been debunked a number of times. Um, I don't want to call him a quack necessarily, but um, a number of things that he has gotten behind have, like I said, have been debunked. And he is running again. He is running for senator in Pennsylvania, Pennsylvania, where he did not live. I think um, I read that he lived in New Jersey. Um, he's running against um, he's the Republican running against John Fetterman, um, who I believe had had a stroke earlier this year. Um, and so, uh, many Pennsylvanians, I guess, is that how you say that, um, seem to be torn between the two, but, um, I think, you know, if you want to go with, um, who's the obvious, uh, better choice there, how about the person that actually lives there? Hmm? Okay. Right. Anyway, um, another, um, another thing that I found interesting too, this particular election, there are 30 seat, 36 governor's races also, um, um, up for grabs. I don't know if up for grabs is the appropriate term, but there are 36 um, governor's races that are also going to be watched. I think a lot of people um, look over the midterm ele elections um, and, you know, much to their own, um, um, I don't want to say displeasure. What's the word I'm looking for there? Um, much to their own betterment, I, I guess is a good word to use there because, I mean, all politics is local. We tend to think of the big elections, you know, and I mean like um, the one for president that happens every uh, four years. We think that we tend to think of that as, you know, the real big one and the most important one to vote for. But you really need to vote every single time. I think I've said that on a prior episode. Um, you've got to vote every single time, especially the midterm elections. Um, you know, your local governor's races, mayoral races, um, uh, city council. You got to vote for um, vote in the local races where you live um, for a governor, um, for your state legislature, for your city leadership, the mayor, the city council. Um, here we vote for um, school board members, um, not back home in Chicago. Not yet. I think they may be moving back towards that um, in uh, Chicago. But anyway, um, a number, another um, race that's um, an interesting one is in uh, Nevada. Um, it's the Secretary of State race. Um, that one's really weird, y'all. Um, according to The Guardian, um, the person that's running uh, for a Secretary of State on the Republican ticket um, has said that they will uh, fix the election, make sure that they fix the election for Trump in 2024. Huh? And again, another kind of um, close race which to me says a lot about the electorate. I mean, you know, that these people are getting, these types of people are getting platforms and are running and getting money. Um, well, it says a lot about the electorate and it says tons about the state of the Republican party too. It's like, where are you? Where are you headed? 
what road are you I mean, and they seem to be committed nationally. You know, they're pumping a lot of money into these races where these people are, um, what's the term I'm looking for? Nuts. Um, they are nuts. I forgot um, the number of election deniers that are running. I saw that a couple of weeks ago too, and I forgot to write that down and take a screenshot of that. But there are a number, number of races across the United States where election deniers, about, um, the last election, um, the 2020 election, um, you know, people who got, jumped on that Trump uh, bandwagon of lies saying that um, he lost. But there are a number of those people who publicly have made those statements that are running for um, a variety of offices, both at the state and national level. Um, it's kind of crazy. Um, another interesting race is in New Hampshire. Um, the Democratic Senator Maggie Hassan, I think is how you say her last name, is running versus um, a retired one-star general, Don Balduck, a Bolduck, B-O-L-D-U-C. Um, this is according to the BBC News. Um, now, what's interesting about this race, when I read about, about this, is that initially a lot of Republicans had written him off, this retired one-star general. Um, they didn't think that he would win. Um, he also was an, an election denier. And um, he, again, BBC News, I'm reading, most recently he suggested that children at a New Hampshire school were being allowed to behave like cats and use litter trays. This bizarre hoax has been echoed by other Republican candidates in their states, part of a conservative response to the debate over gender identity in schools. Continuing reading here, y'all. In fact, the Democratic Party was so convinced Bolduc couldn't beat Hassan, it paid for ads attacking a more moderate candidate in order to help Bolduc win the primary. But then this lady's lead over uh, Maggie um, Hassan, her lead over um, Bolduc uh, dissipated. And now um, she had a double digit lead and now um, the race is virtually tied. And so this could come to, um, you know, bite the Democrats in their proverbial butt for, um, you know, trying their strategies. Like, come on, y'all. It's particularly given the um, the climate in which, you know, this election cycle is occurring with all of these deniers and what what people like me and I'm sure some of you, most of you, hopefully, uh, listeners would classify as like what what us normal people reject. A lot of people are jumping on this this conspiracy theory laden bandwagon. I mean, anybody who's like, you know, um, you know, I think, you know, they letting kids use kitty literature. Like, really? Somebody like that has a whole platform, backing, machinery. And yeah, after he won the primary, the Republican Party in New Hampshire, I'm saying New Hampshire, in New Hampshire, you know, got behind him. And now it's like, are you kidding? But it seems like we are living in a twilight zone. This is like some alternative universe. But anyway, that's New Hampshire. And then, um, of course, in Texas, you've probably heard of this guy, uh, Beto um, O'Rourke. Um, so he's run. This is his third race. Um, I forgot how many times it was like in the last couple of years. But, you know, he um, he's run for Senate. He had um, run for president also, according to The Washington Post. And, but you probably remember this. And now he's running for governor against um, Greg Abbott. Um, I'm crossing my fingers and crossing my eyes and I'm hoping that he'll win. Um, uh, I like uh, what he's had to say. Um I don't live in Texas. I actually used to live in Texas for a hot minute, um, but I don't live there now, obviously, live in Kentucky. Um, I do like his platform. I like what he's had to say. Um, you know, the fact that their governor, the governor of Texas, has done nothing in response to um, 
um, building up their power grid. Remember, Texas lost um, power a couple of years ago. And what's the senator's name? Ted Cruz and his family went on vacation to Mexico right in the middle of that big power outage that um, left, you know, how many millions of Texans without power. And some people also died um, because of complications that that presented. Um, and then, of course, there was the unfortunate school shooting in um, Uvalde, which was just this past spring and no, um, you know, gun laws have been passed or anything, you know, no background checks, um, you know, uh, been passed or anything like that uh, by the Texas legislature or, you know, proposed by the Texas governor. And so he makes two good points there. If I live there, I'd be, I'd be like, hey, that's enough for me. You know, you talk a good game, but you ain't did nothing. Um uh, Governor Abbott, he's done nothing. You haven't done nothing. That's Stevie Wonder. Um, yeah, but that's another interesting race to watch. So we got Georgia. Um, I mentioned Pennsylvania. I mentioned Nevada, New Hampshire, and Texas. And then here, um, um, wait, I mentioned uh, Louisiana a couple weeks ago. Um, I think the guy's name is Gary Chambers. He's running against that Kennedy guy who's like, um, you know, with that racist ad next time, if you don't like, you know, if you want to defund the police or you don't like the police, next time you get in trouble, call a crackhead. Are you kidding me? But again, given the climate, these are the type of people that are running for, you know, statewide um, posts. And, um, you know, these are the folks that's going to be running your life. You know, it's it's kind of crazy. It is. I take that back. It's not kind of crazy. It is nutballs. It's it's really crazy out here. And then um, here locally, um, Charles Booker is running to unseat, um, what's his name, Paul Rand. I certainly hope he wins too, from the from the hood to the holler. Um, I like I like what he's had to say. He also ran um, unsuccessfully too, kind of like Beto O'Rourke. He's run a couple of campaigns. Um, I think he ran against uh, Andy Barr um, a little while ago and lost in the last um, cycle, actually in the last election cycle. But um I like Charles Booker. And every time I see his ads, they always look really, really positive. And it looks like he's got a, you know, multicultural coalition behind him. Definitely a grassroots politician. So I'm hoping um, that he wins. I voted for him. I'm hoping that he wins. So, yes, that's some of the big races that um, people are, well, people, me, that I'm paying attention to. Of course, all of the election night um, coverage that's going to um, hog our televisions. Thank God for streaming, right? Um, particularly because we won't know the election results tonight. I mean, I think we learned that the hard way a couple of years ago. Um, but yeah, most of the election results um, probably won't be finalized tonight because you got a lot of people who do early voting. And I don't know the order in which votes are counted, which is for conspiracy theory um, occupying Republicans. That's the big deal. You know, there have been, I've seen um, images of, you know, people um, watching ballot uh, drop boxes and stuff like that, people who have nothing to do with the election, who are not law enforcement, you know, folks that's just open carrying, primarily white, um, standing at drop boxes, you know, looking for, quote, mules, end quote, like foolishness, foolish men. But you know where all this stuff comes from. It was stoked up and stirred up by um, prior to the November election in 2020. Um, that was Trump's game, um, you know, to cry foul and cry fraud before the actual election. And then afterwards, you know, people are like, well, he said it was going to be, of course, of course he did because he, you know, probably knew um, or was well aware that um, there was a strong possibility that he would not win and did not for the record, right? No widespread um, voter um, fraud found anywhere across the United States. And as a matter of fact, um, most um, election analysts 
um, say that it really hasn't been a problem in this country. Um, you know, what has been a problem has been like antiquated methods, um, you know, as was found in that. Uh, what year was that um, when it all went down to Florida and it was uh, Bush versus uh, Gore and the hanging chads? Remember that? You're probably some of you might be too young to remember that. But we used to use um, punch hole um, election cards. So you literally had like a little device. It was like a pen and you would put your election card over. Um, the names and then the names would line up. And so then you would have to punch a hole, you know, it's these little perforated holes that you had to punch a hole through to indicate who the, the person was that you were voting um, for. And so that's how the elections were counted. It was like these little ballots with holes punched out of them instead of what we have now, which, you know, is like printed ballots with names and you got to fill in the boxes. But yeah, back in the day, I remember Chicago when I was voting, that's how it was. And so because, um, you know, the election was so close in Florida and it was a swing state at that time. Um, what tag? What year was that? 19 something. Um, I remember pictures on the news of um, election people recounting the votes and holding the votes up to the light to see if the little chat, that's what it was called, was hanging off or if someone had pushed it all the way through or if it was dimpled, meaning they had attempted to vote for someone but hadn't pushed the little thing all the way through. So that's why they got rid of um, that, uh, those systems of voting. Um, and so now it's like, you know, fill in the, not, not fill in the bubbles, but like fill in the boxes, you know, with the pen, you know, make sure that you fill it in completely. Don't just put an X or a check mark. But, um, listen, I remember when I was in college 8,000 million years ago and one of my professors, um, asked, you know, what can we do? Um, you know, he was like posing the question to us young people, like, how would you improve elections? in the United States. It's one of those loaded questions, right? It's like, how do you improve the education system? Except I don't think this one is as difficult. I mean, the process of voting, I think, can be easily fixed. Now, you know, the whole election cycle and all of the money that comes into it and, you know, all of the, you know, unfair ways that money, you know, influence elections, you know, and it makes it seem like, you know, people's votes really don't count because, you know, these um, people with these big political machines and big money machines, you know, generate all this revenue for people to vote. But I think the process of voting can be easily fixed. Number one, put it on the weekend. A lot of people, I wouldn't even say most at this point, but a lot of people don't work Saturdays and Sundays. Um, so hold elections on Saturdays and Sundays, Saturday and or Sunday. Remember, that was one of the big things in it um, in Georgia, too, when they were um, doing the early voting and they were doing it um, on Sundays when a lot of black people were gathering at churches. And so some of those counties where that was um, that was a phenomenon, where that was a thing, that was where they were, um, they meaning Republicans, that's where Republicans were alleging that there was all this, you know, um, illegal voter fraud, but that's because there was high turnout in those counties because they were mobilizing people on Sundays when they were going to church. But, you know, and also because a lot of people, not most, but a lot of people don't work on the weekends. So one, stop holding elections in the middle of the week. It's stupid. Tuesdays, why? Just move it. Um, Uh-oh, I'm not supposed to say the word stupid. My language police is in the room with me. Um, number two, um, do it electronically. People should be able to vote from their homes, um, from phones. Now, listen, I, like I said, I was in college 8,000 years ago and we were talking about it then though. People should be able to vote online. Now, I remember even then the conversation that came up in class, this is Dr. Alvin Thornton, who's teach uh, political science um, at Howard University. But I remember the, the, the discussion that came up with that is like, how do you ensure election security? I mean, not everybody's, um, you know, 
you know, we we like to think that, you know, China and Russia are hacking every system out there, but that, I don't think that's true. And if there are ways of keeping um, elections, uh, you know, other types of um, voting secure, how does American Idol keep, keep their votes secure or The Voice or any of those call-in TV shows where people are voting, you know, with their phones and things like that? How, you know, DoorDash, DoorDash can keep my... my my credit card number is safe. How come no one can build a system that keeps our election safe? And that way you do get, um, you do make it um, uh, accessible for more people. You know, we talk about how many um, people in the United States are actually registered to vote versus how many people are eligible to vote versus how many people actually do vote. And all every time you go from one layer, one layer, you know, those layers down, the numbers dwindle. But I think one of the reasons, um, not the the only one, but one of the we reasons is accessibility. You know, it's some people it's it's hard to take off work to go vote. You know, and then remember a couple of years ago, those long lines in some places were definitely a turnoff. And then, you know, they've made it illegal now that you can't get out of line and get back in line or you can't give people water or things like that. You know, all this goofy stuff. I, I'm, I'm thinking about you, Georgia, where um, all of that kind of stuff has been legislated now to keep people from voting in certain municipalities, in certain um, what do they call them? Precincts. Um, but anyway, let me get off voting. I didn't win the Powerball, y'all. If you won, just send me some money. I'll give you my cash app. <laughs> But apparently a ticket um, to that uh, $2.04 billion Powerball was bought. Um, the winning ticket, I should say, was bought in, is this Altadena? Altadena? How do you say that if you're an American? Um, Altadena, um, California. So congratulations to you. We cousins now, of course, you know, first cousins. Um, yeah, wasn't me. So I'm back. Gotta go back to work tomorrow. Um, next on my list of, uh, oh my God, Twitter. I deleted my Twitter account. So you know how at the end of the episodes, I always say, hey, you can follow me anywhere on social media. I ain't on Twitter no more. Listen, after um, Elon Musk uh, bought Twitter and everybody on there was like, hey, I can use the N-word now. I was like, yep, I'm gone. Not that I'm always on Twitter as it is. You know, it wasn't one of my, um, Just it just wasn't my cup of tea in terms of where I would necessarily um, hang out um, on social media. Um, like if I saw somebody referencing an article or a post or something on Twitter, then I would go. But like in terms of scrolling, that wasn't my place to um, necessarily scroll. Um, but yeah, when all of the um, racists came out, um, you know, as racists, you know, because they felt like, oh, Elon Musk, you know, he's this big proponent of free speech and, you know, without, um, consequences. And so everybody was like, hey, good morning, N words. I was like, yep, I'm not. Nope. And then the latest thing I've heard, um, one of the latest things I've heard at least, is that, um, you know, he's going to start charging people for the blue check, something like $8.99 a month or $7.99 a month, some fee. Um, I've heard that, um, you know, supposedly, you know, leveling the blue check uh, playing field or whatever. Um, I've also heard that a lot of advertisers have left. Um, Elon Musk himself, I think, uh, posted uh, something about the advertisers have left because of um, boycotts or um, threatened boycotts against them. And so they felt the pressure and they've left. But instead, um, I think it's just the instability over at Twitter now. Um, there was this huge round of um, firings uh, slash layoffs that occurred over the weekend. Um, I was reading an article about that. Um and uh, how some engineers and people were all at this bar, um, a couple of bars, I guess, in the area, and you know, were checking their work emails and they're checking their personal emails to see, you know, if they had been fired or not. And then, you know, they did this huge round of firings, and then they had to rehire some people once they realized they gutted a whole bunch of departments. 
wherein Twitter wouldn't be able, you know, to function. Now, does that sound like a genius move to you? Hmm? No? Okay. Me either. I was just checking, um, you know, because that's what people tend to um, label Elon Musk and others, um, Kanye West, um, you know, because they, and Donald Trump too, right? You know, they amass, um, except in Trump's case, you know, his is a lot of smoke and mirrors. I'm talking about the money that he actually has, the wealth that he actually has. That's what he's being, um, that's what he's have, having to answer for, at least his corporation is having to answer for in court um, here recently. Um, the valuations of a lot of his properties and things like that, they were overstated over um, the the amount that they were actually worth is overstated so that he could borrow more money against them. So again, a lot of that is just like smoke and mirrors and, you know, toupees, you know, and hair glue and weave glue and stuff like that anyway, and fake tans. I'm, I digress. I'm sorry. I digress. Um, but anyway, yeah, Twitter is a whole hot mess now. Um, I mean, my little Twitter account gone. No one's going to miss me. Um, I saw that Whoopi Goldberg made her exit um, off Twitter and a number of um, big time celebrities, um, blue checked celebrities, I'll say that, um, have made an exit off Twitter. The former owner, Jack Dorsey, tweeted some type of fake apology. Um, you know, the people who work at Twitter, you know, I know they're very resilient, something along those lines. That, those aren't his exact words. And then him and Elon Musk were going back and forth for a minute. Like, what is First of all, Jack Dorsey, take your apology, blah, blah. Um, I had seen that, um, you know, prior to the finalization of the sale of Twitter to Elon Musk, you know, Dorsey was like, you know, Elon Musk is the only person that can like, you know, take Twitter into, you know, the next, you know, dimension of its existence or something like that. Really? Mm. Anyway, back to my other point, you know, Elon Musk is definitely wealthy. He's the wealth is he the wealthiest man on the planet? But um, a lot of people tend to conflate genius with greed. I saw that somewhere and I wish I knew where I saw that. Um, if it was a tweet or it wasn't a tweet because I'm off Twitter. So something on social media or either I'm like an op-ed piece. Um, but yeah, just because people make a whole lot of money and are able to amass, you know, tons and tons of money doesn't make them a genius. It just makes them greedy. Um, I've been having this conversation, ironically, with my husband in terms of what really makes, um, you know, what are the qualifications for a genius? And even though I don't want to relegate it, that's what we were saying, like we, we just don't want to relegate it to, you know, intellectual abil ability. Um, just because you're greedy, that doesn't make you a genius. I mean, Oscar the Grouch is greedy. He don't want to share with nobody. Does that make him a genius? I mean, and he got a whole bunch of junk. He's accumulated a whole bunch of, you know, for lack of a better term, I think my um, word police over here is going to get me crap. He's got a whole bunch of crap, but that doesn't make him a genius. I mean, and I'm going to throw Kanye in that category too. Um, you know, and thankfully, thankfully, um, all of the sound bites from him and the tweets and posts, posts and all that kind of stuff, it seems to have died down. I think I read somewhere that he, posted on Twitter that he was going to take some kind of 30 day break. He wasn't talking to anybody. He was going to take a break from other types of activities too, which we are not going to enumerate on this podcast. But, um, you know, people that have been defending him, um, caping for him. Am I using the term correctly? Um, you know, he's a genius. Y'all don't understand. You know, this ain't checkers. This is chess. Really? No, it's just stupidity. And probably, you know, um, you know, his mental illness rear, uh, rearing um, its head, um, you, you don't go around and losing, you know, billion dollar contracts. That's not genius. That's, that's, I mean, you know, minus the mental illness, that's just stupid. You know, um, doubling down on the, the comments that he's made, the anti-Semitic comments, um, and finally apologizing for them, um, along the same lines of Kyrie Irving to, um, you know, he posting that, uh, video 
no, it's not a video. It's a um, some type of documentary, um, um, anti-Semitic documentary that's on Amazon. Yeah, I agree with people um, who said, you know, Amazon um, and its uh, owner was his name, Jeff Bezos, whatever his name is. I don't mean to be flipped when I say that, whatever his name is. Um, but anyway, no one's holding them accountable, right? You know, the, the as far as I I know, the um, documentary is still out there. Um, Kyrie and, you know, people like that when they get in that position, you know, when initially they're, you know, brought when this stuff is brought to their attention and they're like, oh, you know, just oops, I did it again. You know, just uh, use an old Britney Spears line. You know, if you don't know any better then hey, I made a mistake here. Um, my bad. But, you know, kind of doubling down on it is where I, I call stupidity. And then now I think there's like some six points, uh, six point plan that Kyrie has to like um, act on in order to be um before he can play again uh, for, is it the Nets or whatever? Um, I'm not the world's biggest sports fan, my bad. Um, before he can come back, he's, he was suspended for five games. And then there's like a couple things that he's got to do. I think it was like either five or six things that he's got to do. It's kind of like, you know, some kind of quest at this point. I don't know. And I don't know if he'll do them. Um, Cause then, you know, egos in play, you know, ego money. I don't know. I will share this. Um, I saw this uh, post from, um, Candace Bimbo, she is the author of that book. Um, I talked about it earlier in the summer, Red Lip Theology. It's a great book. Candace Marie Bimbo, she um, posted um, a couple of uh, things on um, Instagram, and I just want to read what she wrote. I wish I had saved it, but I saw a short thread on Twitter the other week that essentially said, Miss Disinformation sounds good to people who had difficulty in school. It's easy to hear these crazy conspiracy theories and say, I told y'all what they were teaching us was some BS. If you slept through class, didn't read, and barely did your homework for whatever reason, it helps to justify your performance if you diminish the education itself. As I keep watching people say, he's got a point about Jews, though, and amplify right, white supremacist talking points, I keep thinking about that thread. And I just thought that was an interesting take on it. And again, I don't want to, you know, come off as an intellectual elitist, but as an educator, I think she has a point. Um, the other side of that coin, though, unfortunately, is that there are a lot of educated people, too, who also, um, you know, buy into a lot of these conspiracy theories, um, you know, and, you know, they've, quote, done their own research, end quote. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, what's up? What else is on my list? We got Kanye. We talked about him enough. Thank God. Go take a break, buddy. Kyrie, Nick Cannon, um, not to beat up on the black guys, but man, what are y'all doing? Nick Cannon is, um, he's, he's uh, got baby number 11 on the way. Um, I saw this one Halloween costume. Somebody had a whole bunch of kids, um, like in a stroller and like it was dolls. They were, they were supposed to be Nick Cannon for Halloween. It had a whole bunch of dolls in a stroller, dolls like strapped to them you know, like babies. And I've even heard the argument, you know, well, he's got enough money to take care of those kids. I don't know that a lot of people are still making that argument though, because um, clearly there's something amiss going on. Now, granted his business, you know, his, his body, <laughs> sorry, his body, his business um, and the women with whom, you know, he is uh, creating these babies is all their business too. But in terms of him being a public figure and we can comment on it, bro, what are you doing? You're creating your own tribe. And to the foolish people who say he has enough money to take care of his kids, you do realize that it takes more than money to raise a child, right? All right. What else is on my list? So we talked about, um, I talked about Kentucky, Kentucky rather, education 
um, at the top of the podcast. Um, so recently, this was in, um, is this the Herald Leader, I think? Um, maybe just Kentucky.com. Um, so, you know, the announcement of uh, the state's uh, scores was made a couple of, I guess we could say a couple of weeks ago now. Um, the governor also noted that there are 11,000, did you hear me? Statewide teacher vacancies. And um, he unveiled an education first legislative agenda that he said would uh, advance student learning after the COVID-19 pandemic classroom disruptions. He's asking the General Assembly in the 2023 session to reopen the budget and give all public school employees an additional 5% raise. Yay! Enact universal pre-kindergarten and full-day kindergarten. Yay! And restore funding for professional development textbooks and instructional materials. Yay! Bashir, our governor, also said he wanted to help teachers with annual, I'm sorry, with student loan forgiveness by giving an annual $3,000 award. He said Kentucky's teachers' starting salaries are the 44th lowest in the United States. Okay, so below Kentucky in terms of starting teacher salaries. Um, this is on the NEA website. Um, we got North Carolina, Mississippi. Nebraska, Arkansas, Colorado, Missouri, and Montana. And I've seen on another website where, you know, like in places like Montana, the cost Montana, the cost of living is also rather low. Um, but yeah, so Kentucky starting teacher salary is uh, $37,373. Um, like I said, this is on the NEA website, the National Education Association, and this was published um, back in April of this year. And then um, gosh, Montana, which, like I said, is at the bottom of the list in terms of starting teacher salaries. Um, there's this 32,495 at the top of the list. Interestingly, is district of the district of Columbia, which I know isn't a state, but you know, they still get education system. It should be a state. That's a whole nother story, but there's is, um, 56,313. Where's Illinois where I used to work? Uh, looks like they're in the middle of, wait, did I pass them? Ugh. Middle of the pack, well, kind of low, um, 41228 Their top salary, um, $84,146. Um, cost of living, of course, in some of the cities in Illinois, where I'm from, Chicago, is high. Top salary here, oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> top salary um, here in Kentucky, 62900 and 50. Lord Jesus. Um, and then Illinois ranks number 23. Like I said, about the kind of sort of the middle of the pack. Let's see who's next to us. Ohio. What's their ranking? Where's Ohio? Sorry, I'm doing research as I'm talking. Oh, they're number 37 in rank in terms of teacher salary, uh, 38,231. I told y'all Mississippi was bad. They're number 46. <laughs> That's, you know, Ooh, where's Louisiana? This that guy um, Kennedy. You know, if you get in trouble, call a crackhead. Where's Louisiana? Oh wait, they don't have a public. Their whole school system is private now, right? But they're number nineteen. They rank nineteenth in terms of starting teacher salary. Oh, uh, forty-two thousand one hundred eighty-five. They top out Louisiana. You know, it's places like that that. Um, 
58,470. It's places like that where the politicians are all like, you know, we're going to get tough on crime. We're going to get tough on crime. Really? Do you have something else to talk about? And listen, not that's not to say that crime isn't a concern, um, but statistically speaking, crime rates are actually down across the United States. You know, they, that's something that Republicans have been, I'm back on politics, sorry y'all. That's something that Republicans have been pulling out of their trick bag since I was a kid, right? Since Ronald Reagan and what was that guy's name? Dukakis and that one rat, um, ad that they ran where um, I think he like, there was some type of prison furlough system and this guy was um, furloughed and, you know, he was a he was let go because I guess there was overcrowding in the prisons and then he went out and committed another crime. And for this reason, you should not vote for, you know, it was kind of like, well, I mean, if you watch enough law and order, you know, that kind of stuff is bound to happen. But my point is a lot of Republicans in these areas in these cities and states where there's no support for local programs, you don't have universal pre-K, you don't have universal or all day kindergarten. Um, we're not going to talk about the fact that, you know, daycare should be um, fully funded period. Those workers deserve every bit of gold bricks that they earn. Um, shout out to my daughter's uh, pre-K and preschool teachers because she is killing it in kindergarten right now. Love you, babe. Um, but yeah, you know, Louisiana, Mississippi, all those places, you know, is it Jackson? They still didn't have clean water. Like really? But y'all going to talk about crime and punishment as if, you know, I feel like, you know, it's like in the Bible, the Bible says the poor you have with you always. And that's not to say that we shouldn't do something about it, but there's always going to be crime. I mean, what are you doing, you know, to push money into programs that kind of, you know, prevent, you know, not prevent crime, but do help people, enable people to be educated, to get some type of job or training or something like that. You're doing nothing. You're doing nothing. So of course, all you're going to do is just yell about crime. But if you don't push money into education or technical training or something like that, heck, clean water. What do you expect people to do? I'm going to go steal me some water somewhere. Okay, that I should probably cut that from the podcast, but I might leave that in. And then lastly, um, speaking of education and speaking of good times, good times. I thought I'd try to end the podcast on a, a positive note. Wakanda Forever is coming out. Um, I think it drops this Thursday night, um, the new movie, the new Black Panther movie, the sequel to the original Black Panther um, called Wakanda Forever, unless you've been living under a rock. Um, it comes out this Friday. I'm sorry, this Thursday night. Um, I've got tickets to go see it uh, Saturday. I'm very excited. Um, I happen to watch, um, I think it was on ABC. It's an ABC special that was on, I saw it on Hulu. Um, you know, the, I forgot what they called it, but it was like, you know, kind of like a behind the scenes um, look at, um, you know, the actors, the the director, uh, what's his name, Ryan Coogler, and, um, you know, how they're dealing with um, Chadwick Boseman's death, um, you know, the the death also, of, you know, his character too, T'Challa. And so instead of running away from it, um, it appears that they are work uh, dealing with it um, head on, like that's going to be a big premise um, in the movie, which I think is smart um, because um, a lot of people, um, who didn't know Chadwick Boseman were really, really touched, you know, by his work and really hurt. I'm speaking of myself. Um, when they heard of his passing, um, as you know, I went to Howard University and many, many years later, so did Chadwick Boseman. And now the School of Fine Arts um, is named after him. And um, I, I was pandemic teaching when um, the story broke that he had died. I think he was like, I know, early 40s, right? From... Um, cancer. It was, I mean, really, really sad because he hadn't reached, you know, the um, the height of his career yet. I mean, that last um, 
um, role that he took um, where he was really robbed of, of the Oscar for that. Did you see that? I think it's Ma Rainey's Black Bottom. It was on Netflix. Um, and he really did. He stole the movie. His his character, he did. He stole the movie. He um he killed it. He oh, I shouldn't use that. Bad, bad, bad. But he nailed it. He he did really, really well. And I think the um Oscar committee, too, people who put on the Oscars, um, I should say the pro the production company that hosts the Oscars, um, you know, put um responsible for being on television, they thought he was gonna win. Um, you know, obviously posthumously because he was dead, but um, they saved the Best Supporting Actor Award for the end of the um, awards night and he didn't win. And so it was really, really anticlimactic. I guess they thought, you know, he would win. His widow would give, you know, an acceptance speech in his honor and it'll be, you know, really, really a cool, not cool, but, you know, like an emotional time. But alas, he did not win. I don't even know who won. Nah, doesn't matter. But anyway, um, I'm curious to see how that will be handled. Um, in the movie, I'm really excited about it. Um, my daughter dressed up as uh, Shuri um, in one of her <laughs> Halloween Halloween costumes. I mentioned I felt like she was on tour, and I was like, you know, in the ensemble that helped her get ready because she had to have a couple of costumes, uh, costume changes um, for Halloween. But um, she was all decked out as Shuri, and it was really cool. And like I said, I'm just curious to see, you know. What, what will happen. I know there's a lot of um, high hopes and high expectations and I kind of hate it, you know, because um, sequels, you know, especially to big blockbuster, um, you know, well-reviewed movies, you know, there's a lot of, you know, hopes and dreams pinned on it and a lot of expectations. And sometimes it's just hard to follow up. Um, you know, I recall Michael Jackson and Thriller, you know, and when Bad came out, everybody was like, Ey. but I mean, how do you top Thriller? You don't, you know, it's, it's no, it's the piece de resistance, you know, um, it's kind of, so it's kind of hard to top, um, but I'm still going to support it. I'm still going to go see it. And I'm hoping that you will too. And maybe in the next um, episode, and I'll try to get back on track. I promise. I promise. Girl Scouts honor. Okay. I'm not a Girl Scout, but I will. I'll get back on track. Um, in the next episode, we'll definitely talk about um, what kind of forever. So go see it so that I won't give away any spoilers. Um, I haven't read any online. I know there are a number of them, but I, I want to I've only seen the trailers that they released, the official trailers. I haven't seen anything else. I haven't read anything else. I think um, I do have my ideas about who the next Black Panther is, because if you've seen any of the trailers, you'll notice that there is someone in that suit. Um, and it does look to be um, a woman. I will say that because, you know, just the figure, um, the figure looks a little, um, you know, it looks like a woman that's in the suit. But I've got some ideas about that. But I won't I won't discuss any of those on this um, episode of the podcast. We'll wait till next week cool. All right, cool. Pinky swear. All right, pinky swear. That's it for this podcast. Like I said, and always say, I appreciate you. Thanks for listening. Thanks for tuning back in <laughs> um, after um, a hiatus. Um, I promise to get back on track and uh, yeah, that's it. Again, I appreciate you. Follow me online. I'm not on Twitter anymore, but I am still on Facebook and Instagram. Uh, Donna Gay Tyler is Donna Gay Tyler is my I said Tyler that's my Kentucky accent coming through right I've been down here long enough I guess I'm developing one Donna Gay Tyler is my handle and by all means um, stay classy go vote and thanks for stopping by <laughs>